If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, just your friendly neighborhood, Maniac on the Loose. Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. And now, sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, and enjoy the ride. Stay on the trail. In the southwestern region of Mississippi is a massive forest that is popular with hikers. In one obscure section of the forest, a trail can be found that most people are unaware of. The trail goes by several different monikers, the most popular being the Trail of Despair the trail to hell, and the blood trail. Legend has it that anyone who ventures off the trail will never be seen again. It is a fact that many hikers have gone missing from that area. The following are tales from three people who left the trail and lived to tell about it. The rain. My name is Candy. My boyfriend Brent and I like to hike on weekends. We tend to vary the trails we hike down. We had heard of the infamous trail that you are always supposed to stay on for fear of getting lost or killed. The legend of the trail is well known, but there is a lot of debate as to where the trail actually is. My boyfriend has a friend that is a park ranger who insisted that he recently acquired the location of the trail. He swore he had it on good authority and gave my boyfriend the directions. We arrived at the trail. It was in a far off corner of the woods and we actually had to travel down a larger trail to locate the starting point, but we found it. It was about a yard across and not heavily traveled but was used often enough to keep it from developing much overgrowth. As we ventured down the trail, we didn't notice anything unusual. As a matter of fact, it was kind of boring. So much so that Brent thought it might be fun if we tested the legend and stepped off the trail. I was against his idea, but he insisted. He said he just wanted to walk about a hundred feet off the trail and then come straight back. Then we could tell everyone that we got off the trail and lived to tell about it. 100 feet isn't far, so I agreed. We were about 50 feet from the trail when rain started. 
I thought it was strange because I had checked the weather report before we left and it was supposed to be clear and sunny all day. Brent was ahead of me and he heard me complaining about the rain. It's not raining. He turned around and looked at me. He froze in his tracks and I could tell by his eyes that something was wrong. If it wasn't raining, what was dripping all over me? I wiped the liquid from my shoulders and looked at my hands. Blood. Sure, I was freaked out, but I was more curious as to where the blood was coming from. We both looked up and could see steady streams of blood coming from something high up in one of the trees. Brent grabbed a few large stones and started hurling them at the object until it broke loose and plummeted to the ground. It was a deer head. As strange as it was that it had been placed so high up in a tree, it was even more unusual that the head had been severed straight and clean by a blade of some sort. The fact that it was still dripping blood meant that this had been done recently. We both hurried back to the trail and headed back in the direction we started from. As we hurried along the trail, we would occasionally hear brush and limbs rustling on the outskirts of the trail behind us. Something, or someone, was following us. We broke out into a full run until we reached the starting point. Once we were on the larger trail, we didn't hear anything behind us anymore, but we still hurried out of that area. The Message and my name is Max. Most folks call me Mad Max. I'm a bit of a daredevil. That's what brought me to the trail. I wanted to test out the legend. I hiked a good five miles or so down the trail before I decided to step off. My plan wasn't just to step off a few feet and jump back on so I could say I did it. I really wanted to go deep off the trail and see what the surrounding area was like. Maybe I'd be the one who could bring a little sense to the legend. I had been off the trail for about an hour when I saw a large patch of dirt on the ground that seemed out of place. It looked as though it had recently been tilled. As if that wasn't weird enough, someone had taken a stick and written a message in the dirt. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Now I have to admit, that was both weird and creepy. My initial thought was that clearly this was just some other jerk that ventured off the trail and wrote this to spook anyone who did the same. But then again, this was so random and so far off a trail that not a lot of people go down to begin with. The odds of anyone else seeing this message was remote. I was about to turn and head back toward the trail when I noticed something hanging from a nearby tree. I stepped closer until I could make it out well. It was a doll. An old, dirty, child's doll. It had a shoestring tied around its neck and was hanging from a tree. That's when I noticed another doll hanging in the next tree. And another one in the next tree. And another. And another. All in all, there must have been over a hundred dolls hanging from trees. 
Just beyond the dolls, I noticed something else out of place. It was something large and metallic. It was hidden behind a massive tree, but I could see enough of it to know it wasn't natural. I approached the tree as quietly as I could, and cautiously peered around it to see what the object was. It was a cage. A huge cage. It looked like a shark cage that had been modified with extra bars. It could easily fit five people in it. Some of the bars on the cage had dark red stains on them. My impression was that it was dried blood. I felt fortunate to be able to find my way back to the trail and to get out of the forest. The Dwelling I'm a 37-year-old female who hikes through this area of the woods a lot. I hadn't even heard of the legend of the trail. If I had, I would have respected the legend and would not have gotten off the trail that day. I was jogging down the trail and stopped when I noticed something peculiar. About ten feet off the trail was a candle sitting on a stump. It was lit. I stepped off the trail to look and see if there was anything else around it that may explain why this candle was sitting here lit in the middle of nowhere. Then, far off in the distance, I heard music. A jingle. It was Pop Goes the Weasel. The music was very tinny and sounded like a jack-in-the-box music toy. The kind where you turn the crank on the metal box, and when it gets to the pop part of the music, a clown or something pops out of the top of the box. That's what it sounded like. This would have frightened a lot of people and made them run away, but I'm not like that. I'm the adventurous type. I'm the kind of person who likes to investigate and find answers. I'm not the type to let their imagination run wild. I'm not a scaredy cat. So I followed the sound of the music. The music was farther away than I thought, but I kept following as it got louder and louder. The music stopped when it sounded like I was no more than 100 feet away. I kept going and stepped into a clearing. In the middle of the clearing was a dwelling of some sort. The dwelling looked like a portion of a rusted-out RV that was patched together with a variety of scraps such as corroded metal roofing, ripped-up tarps, random pieces of wood, and large swaths of moss. I stepped closer to the dwelling. Next to it was a fire pit that was still burning. On the ground by the fire pit was a metallic music box. Obviously someone was living out there. Whoever they were, they sure knew how to live off the grid. That was the extent of where my imagination went until I saw a pile of bones. Leg bones, arm bones, hand bones, skulls, all human. Just beyond the pile of bones was a human hand that had been nailed on a tree. And it looked fresh. I was about to turn and run back to the trail when I heard footsteps coming from just beyond the dwelling. If I ran, they would hear me. Maybe I could outrun them, maybe not. I opted not to try. Instead, 
I noticed a tight section under the dwelling, so I crawled underneath and hid. I was level with the ground and the dwelling above me cut off the majority of my view, but someone was walking around out there, and I could see them, at least partially. I couldn't see past their knees. They were wearing black work boots and black baggy pants, and I could hear whoever it was. They were breathing heavily and there was a raspy wheeze to their breath. I watched as the mysterious person paced around the dwelling. I could hear them moving things around and once observed them poke the fire with what had the appearance of a machete. I took small, shallow breaths. I had no doubt in my mind that if this person found me, I'd be dead. I stayed there until well after dark. Finally, the mysterious person walked off. I listened as their footsteps got further and further away. I didn't dare move until I couldn't hear them any longer. Once everything had been quiet for ten minutes, I made my move. I slowly slithered out from under the dwelling. I very carefully and quietly made my way through the woods. It was so dark and I didn't recognize my surroundings. It was three hours before I finally reached an area that was familiar to me. From there, I was able to find my way out of the forest and to safety. Nowadays, I tend to jog in more populated areas unless I have someone with me. And I no longer venture off of trails. Snuff Film my name is Joe Sharp. I'm a private detective. I was hired by a couple to find their missing daughter, Sarah Jennings. She had vanished without a trace over a month ago. The police had made no progress and were convinced that the girl was a runaway. The parents insisted that Sarah would never do such a thing. The couple recently received a mysterious envelope in the mail. On the outside of the envelope was a handwritten message that read, she is alive. The envelope contained a DVD. The footage on the DVD was quite shocking. The quality of the footage was poor. It was dark, grainy, and extremely shaky. The video showed four young women tied to wooden poles and blindfolded. A shirtless man in a black hood stood in front of them holding a large blade. One by one, he slit their throats. He paused before slitting the throat of the fourth and final girl and turned around. His eyes widened in fear as he gawked at something off camera and a deep hollow rumble can be heard. The video cuts off at that point. The fourth girl tied to the pole was Sarah Jennings. The police conveyed to the parents that even though Sarah Jennings was still alive when the video cut off, she was likely killed just as the others were. After weeks of investigating, the police came up with nothing 
and claimed to have no leads. Having grown tired of the lack of progress from the police department, the parents of Sarah Jennings contacted me to investigate further. Upon viewing the footage, I warned the parents that if this were indeed an actual snuff film, odds are that their daughter was dead. But I told them I'd do a thorough investigation and we'd get to the bottom of all this. My first stop was to a colleague of mine named Tamale Jones. This guy looks like he just stepped out of the Great Gatsby in his tweed suit and fedora. Tamale told me that snuff films were faked all the time. My first task was to find out if this film was the real thing. He told me to visit a local sex fetish club known simply as Club Fun and to ask for a guy named Mohawk. Club Fun was one weird place, let me tell ya. It was an old elementary school. As soon as I entered the place, I saw two topless gals walking down the hall. They both looked me up and down. I was about to say this is my kind of place, until I saw a chubby naked man wearing a Jabba the Hutt mask following behind them. I approached a gal who looked like a prostitute in a platinum blonde wig and fishnet stockings. I asked her if she knew where I could find a mohawk. Go to the end of the hall, turn left, walk past the hall of toilets, then go into the last door on the left. I thanked her and began walking down the hall. My chest was reverberating by the heavy bass of the music echoing through the club. I turned left at the end of the hall and sure enough, there was an entire hallway filled with toilets. On one of the toilets sat a man. A woman was straddling him and bouncing up and down. Another man was standing up and taking a leak in the toilet right next to them. Too weird for me, so I hurried down the hall to the last door on the left. As I approached the door, I could hear a slap sound followed by a woman's scream. I burst through the door to find a woman chained to the wall. A muscular man wearing leather pants and a ripped up t-shirt was slapping the woman senselessly. I yelled out and reached for my 38 revolver tucked into my belt. I felt the cold steel of a gun barrel pressed against the back of my head as a man whispered, That would be a mistake. The muscular man turned around and it was only then that I realized this guy had a mohawk. He smiled, revealing a missing front tooth. What do we have here? Are you a knight in shining armor? I looked around and saw not one, but two goons behind me with guns in the ready position. I calmed myself and tried to reason with them. Listen, just let that girl go. Mohawk chuckled and spun around to the chained girl. This guy thinks you're here against your will. The chained up girl looked at me with disdain and spat in my direction. Piss off, Dad. Since it was clear that this woman was here willingly to satisfy some strange fetish, I got right to the point. You Mohawk? Mohawk grinned. How'd you guess? I have a snuff film here. Tamale Jones said you'd be able to tell me whether or not it was real. Come on. Mohawk led me to a little room with a small television and DVD player. He put the snuff film in and watched it a few times before giving his assessment. I think it's real, but oh, what appalling camera work. Amateurs, such poor quality. No serious collector would be interested in this garbage. 
This is something for the bargain basement collectors, or as I like to call them, the dregs of society. He handed the DVD back to me. I don't recognize the work, which is strange. The snuff community is quite small. I know everyone who is anyone. Is this all you have? Just the DVD? I took out the envelope and showed it to him, pointing out the handwritten message that said she is alive. He nodded. I recognized the writing. Dirty little druggie named Junior. He hangs out at Fifth and Roosevelt. Fifth and Roosevelt is a seedy part of town with a lot of sex shops and hookers. I asked around for Junior and someone pointed me to a boarding house. I slipped the owner 20 bucks for his room number. He told me it was room 15. When I knocked on the door, I could hear the man on the other side coughing and wheezing. His footsteps were slow and he fiddled with the doorknob a while before finally turning it and opening the door. The kid was thin as a rail with matted hair and someone had recently kicked the hell out of him. His left eye was near swollen shut. He had a bloody lip and scratches on his cheek. I held up the envelope and pointed to the message he'd scrawled across it. Where'd you get this? Who the hell are you? The parents hired me to find their missing daughter. You're the only lead I got. Now where'd you get the DVD? I, I bought it from Cowboy. I, I, buy, I buy all my tapes from him. Who is Cowboy? He, he owns the Slippery Cat over on Columbus Drive. He sold me the DVD. I, I recognize the girl in the video. All these missing photo pictures of her all over the place. I recognized her. He took a few more puffs off his cigarette before he continued. I remember seeing the mother on the news. She was crying, begging whoever had her to let her go. I guess I just wanted her to know. Who kicked your ass? Some rich guy showed up and looking for the DVD. He had a couple of thugs with him. I, I didn't want to tell them I had given it to the girl's parents. I figured they'd been through enough with losing their daughter and all. I told the rich guy I just threw it out in the back dumpster. They roughed me up and left. I gave the beat-up kid a few bucks and headed over to the Slippery Cat. Cowboy was behind the counter. He wasn't hard to spot. His cheap, food-stained white tank top clashed with his fancy, expensive Stetson cowboy hat. I stepped up to the counter and held the DVD in the air. I'm Joe Sharp. I'm a private detective. Where'd you get this? Beat it. I don't talk to private dicks. I noticed Cowboy reaching for something under the counter. Probably a gun or a bat. It didn't matter. I was too fast and leapt over the counter. I shoved him back against the wall and pressed the barrel of my 38 Special under his chin. I'll ask again. Where'd you get the DVD? He held up his hands and defeat and spilled the beans. Okay, okay, I'll tell you what I know. This is a weird one. It wasn't made with the intent of selling. The guy who filmed it got scared. He filmed this whole thing when he wasn't supposed to. He needed some money and sold it to me. Where can I find him? You can't. He feared for his life and skipped town. Then earlier today, some rich guy and his goons came along, looking to buy up all the copies I sold. I'd only sold a few, so they got them all. At least I thought they did. 
Where can I find this rich guy? Cowboy motioned to a card on the counter. They left their number and address over there. The address led me to a two-story federal-style mansion. Whoever owned this place was swimming in cash. I knocked on the front door. A tidy butler answered and welcomed me inside. I was quickly met by a debonair man in a suit and tie with slicked-back silver hair. We've been expecting you, Mr. Sharp. Cowboy just called me. Said you had something I'd be interested in. I cut right to the chase. Where's the girl? The rich man smiled. First things first. Hand me your revolver. I looked around the room. I was surrounded by guards. Most had their jackets pushed aside, revealing the guns in their belts with their hands on the handle. They were just waiting for the order to pump me full of lead, so I handed over my gun. Good. Now the DVD. I gave him that too. Thank you. I believe we have rounded up all of the other copies. Now tell me where the girl is. The rich man smirked. I'll do you one better. I'll take you to her. His guards grabbed me by the arms and led me down a large winding stone staircase as the rich man spoke. Human sacrifices can be traced back to prehistoric time. It was common in countless cultures, and although people are led to believe otherwise, I assure you, it's still prevalent to this day. We entered a dungeon-like room with four sacrifice poles at one end of the room. Three women were already bound to the poles. I recognized one of them as Sarah Jennings. Sacrifices have to be made to appease the otherworldly spirits. It is a natural part of life and necessary to keep balance in the world. Without it, the world will end. I rolled my eyes as they tied me against the last sacrifice pole. And here I thought you were just a murderous asshole. Go figure. The rich man scoffed at me and turned his attention to the giant owl sculpture on the other side of the room. It stood approximately 12 feet tall. A fire was burning in front of it. Rows of 10 people stood on each side of the fire and chanted. As they all focused on the owl structure, I was able to slip my fingers into my back pocket and get a hold of my pocket knife. I flipped it open and began cutting through the ties around my wrist. As I worked on my ties, a large man in an executioner's mask picked up a large blade and approached me. Just as he pushed the cold steel of the blade against my throat, I cut through the last of my ties. I gave the big man a push and then drove my pocket knife deep into his eye. He fell to the ground, grasping his eye in pain. I picked up the blade the big man dropped and immediately cut all three of the girls loose. That's when I heard the deep hollow rumble and felt the ground begin to shake. I turned to see the flames of the fire in front of the owl structure start churning, spinning, and become bright blue. I watched on as the flames manifested into a swirling, blue tornado of life. The rich man looked at me with fear in his eyes. What have you done? 
It needs a sacrifice. It needs a sacrifice. I pushed the girls behind me and shielded them from the harsh winds that now filled the room. I continued to watch the blue twisting light and felt shivers go down my spine as I witnessed two large tree-trunk arms emerge from the light. The rich man screamed and tried to run, but he was not fast enough as the arms reached out and opened its talon claws, driving its sharp fingers through the rich man's torso and then pulled him into the light. The other men in the room attempted to flee as well, but were mowed down by the claws that quickly shoveled them all into the light. And then all at once, the blue light dissipated back into the flame. The low rumbling hum stopped. The wind disappeared. All was still. Once I was certain that everything was calm and the danger had passed, I left with the girls. I was able to return Sarah Jennings safely to her parents. To say they were satisfied with my results was an understatement. They paid me handsomely, and I slept well that night. <laughs> Just another day on the job. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen on. We'll see you soon. Very soon. Hey everyone. If you're enjoying the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, we hope you'll support the show. The show is a lot of work, and your support is greatly appreciated. There are several ways you can support the show. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. Thank you so much.